0: Hello! Welcome to Lights Carry Action. I'm Carrie Morrison and this week has been a bit of a learning curve. Normally when I'm trying to cover films that I don't know the plot of or like I don't really know much about, I try and not learn as much about it as possible because I want to go in with like fresh eyes and just completely immerse myself in the experience. However, I'll start talking about the specifics in a second but I'm realising now that maybe it is beneficial to do some research on something and not have any preconceptions or assume something based on the minor amount of knowledge that I might have and it might have tainted my experience of it. Maybe I should watch it again at some point. Maybe, actually. I wouldn't mind watching. This is going into review territory. So let's just crack on and get on to our first film of the week. Yeah, so the new release i'm going to be covering is the wolf of snow hollow released in 2020 written directed and starring jim cummings so it's about a popular ski location but a small mountain town snow hollow and a police officer whose father is the sheriff is coming to terms with his father not being as fit for the job as he used to be and also a case of serial murders that seem to be almost like canine attacks now let me just make this perfectly clear there is no such thing as werewolves. Our killer is a guy, and I'm going to find him, and I'm going to kill him. And we're going to bring him to justice. We have every reason to believe that this monster will show up again tonight. I won't ask you to pray with me because of the goddamn lawyers. So this is the film where my preconceptions of it did taint my experience. So, you know, Winnie the Pooh, Tigger, Rasputin from Anastasia, Ray from The Princess and the Frog. There's that voice actor, Jim Cummings, right? So I thought it was him that was doing this. And I'm so surprised that Equity did not turn up to this Jim Cummings store and be like, hey, there's a legendary person in animation land and also in, obviously, in film land. Pick a different name. But no, it's a different Jim Cummings. So I just assumed that legendary animation voice actor Jim Cummings was the sheriff because he looked older. And so my mind just thought... Okay, it's him, and, and then I was thinking, why do they keep on saying that he's the lead? Well, he's obviously one of the side characters. They're focusing a lot on this on this younger guy, and then I was looking at the filmography of like this Jim Cummings, and I'm like, this Jim Cummings looks looks a lot younger than than I thought it would be. And then I looked at an actual photo of legendary animation voice actor Jim Cummings, and I was like, well, that's my fault, because what I thought the whole time was that. This made up version of Jim Cummings that I had in my head was trying to create this satire, um, but also dramatic about these people being murdered, but also being satirical about the police force. And I was just very confused as to what tonally was going on and what genre or like what style they were going for. There were points where. It was going through the Armando Iannucci, who, you know, who is well known for the series The Thick of It and recently did the adaptation of The Personal History of David Copperfield. There were points when it was getting to that kind of side of comedy, but also I think it was trying to be dramatic in terms of addressing the relationship with the police officer played by... Actual Jim Cummings and uh, his daughter. I don't think it's as dramatic as I think Jim Cummings wants it to be. It kind of comes across as satirical of like, this is a really useless man. (laughs) And women were either caricatures or they were murder victims. And there was nothing particularly nice about that. It just seemed that every woman bar Ricky Lindholm's character, uh, Julia Robson was just clueless, and they and they could never, they could never be competent. The characters were picking and choosing as to which characters would be a caricature, almost. Tonally, it's just kind of all over the place, and its storytelling is so haphazard that it, the actual ending, when you find out who the killer is, you're just kind of like, wait, what? Not in a sense of, that's so left field, what a surprising twist, you're just kind of like, oh, Well, what? I don't like spoiling films for this podcast. So watch it if you'd like. But honestly, this film had such potential to be great. But it just wasn't. And I think if someone kind of reined this Jim Cummings in a little bit being like, hey, maybe focus more on this, maybe focus a little bit more on this, maybe strip this back a bit, maybe add more to this. I can see glimpses of a potentially really great satire, but whether that's the intention from the director, I have no idea. Now, we're going on to our next film of the week, and I can definitely tell this film inspired a generation of horror filmmakers. Isn't this fun, lovely stroll on the moor? Did you hear that? I heard that. (laughs) What is it? You think it's a dog? Nice doggy. Good boy. So the film I'm covering next is 1981's An American Werewolf in London, which is written and directed by John Landis. And it's about two American tourists who decide to, you know, visit good old England on on their supposed gap year, I think. And a werewolf attacks them both. And the survivor of said attack discovers that maybe... He's a werewolf? Question mark. You're gonna change. Oh, what? You'll become I know. I know. A monster. A naked American man stole my balloon. What? <laughs> what did I do last night? You don't remember? Ah! The last remaining werewolf must be destroyed. It's you, David. Okay, so when watching this film, again, I didn't know whether this was meant to be a comedy or not. And I didn't know whether I was meant to take the romance seriously or take any of it seriously. The only time I kind of realised, oh, maybe this is a comedy is the scene where David Kessler's character, played by David Norton, who is played very well, I enjoyed his performance. He goes to meet with his friend Jack Goodman at an adult cinema, shall we say. And that's when I realised, ah, uh, OK, we're going into comedy territory. And I don't know whether that's meant to be a good thing or not that I wasn't sure what genre it was going for. But yeah, I felt the romance was very forced, but now knowing the fact of a comedy, was it actually trying to take the mickey out of really forced relationships in horror? There were just points of it where it was really inappropriate and it was rushed. I wasn't sure about that, basically. I really liked, actually, Jean Woodfind's performance as Dr. J.S. Hirsch, who was the doctor who tended to David Kessler um, whilst he was recovering from the werewolf attack In retrospect, I actually really like the fact they were parodying, like, local Englishmen being superstitious and being very weird around tourists. And I will say as well, the special effects, practical and through computer graphics, was fantastic. When I was posting that I was covering this film, as well as reading the reviews, they talk about the transformation sequence. And I have to agree, the transformation sequence is absolutely impeccable. And it was horrifying watching that sequence, and especially David Norton's performance as he was transforming. It felt very visceral and aggressive, and it was brilliant. So the makeup, I just wanted to double check. The makeup was done by Robin Grantham and Rick Baker, and the costumes were done by Deborah Nadulman. So yes, I think this is a good romp classic that I would be interested in watching again, knowing the hindsight of what it was meant to be but is it a good thing or is it a bad thing that i wasn't sure what genre it was until the very end maybe you can watch the film and decide for yourself now we're moving on to our last film of the week and folks oh wow how do i even review this film in a time when gods walk the earth an epic battle rages between the encroaching civilization of man and the gods of the forest when the forest has been cleared and the wolves wiped out this place will be the richest land in the world i finally watched princess mononoke released in 1997 from the production of studio ghibli directed by hayao miyazaki and oh man how do i how do i describe Ashitaka, a prince of the disappearing Emishi people, is cursed by a forest god that is killing him and heads west to find a cure as to why there are demons being summoned in this forest. Folks, I loved this film. It is the perfect film for me. I love animation, first and foremost, because, you know, growing up on Disney films and all that, there's always something in my heart that has that attachment to any animation film. By the way, I watched it with the original actors, so it was in Japanese and I had English subtitles. I feel like when watching films like this, I would rather listen to the original performance of the actors rather than trying to hear a different actor's interpretation or a different actor trying to copy said performance of the original so that feels best for me but I know that's impersonal taste to everyone so my experience of this might be a tad bit different to everyone's the design the art direction it and there are so many people involved in the art direction it, it, it was just beautiful the animation style is gorgeous the actual story written by Hayao Miyazaki is so complex and so it, it there are so many ideas in it that I found so original about it I just found the world of it so immersive and so beautiful that it's just I was just wowed by it and it almost felt like every sequence any action sequence I was like oh this is meant to be the ultimate climax oh no wait this is meant to be the ultimate climax no wait this is meant to be the ultimate climax like it just keeps going and I am absolutely rooting for the right people first and foremost also I really adored the score by Joe Hisaishi I think the only thing I was I was a bit held back with was the kind of, I don't want to say forced romance because I definitely believed in the potential relationship. I just maybe would have liked to see a bit more of a development as to how they got to that level of deep care for each other. But oh my gosh, if you haven't watched Princess Mononoke at this point, and I I don't judge you because I didn't watch it until yesterday, please watch it. Oh my God, please watch it. Now, those are all the films I've watched this week. I don't think it's a big surprise to say that I think my pick of the week is Princess Mononoke. So if you haven't got around to watching that, do go for it, absolutely. But that's all the time I have for this week. Please write and review this podcast wherever you get your podcasts. That would be immensely appreciated. You can follow all the updates of the podcast at Mo Media on Instagram, and you can also follow my personal Instagram and Twitter at CarrieMo97. And... That's it for today. Take care. Stay safe.